You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. Chris DeLambert, the inimitable Robert Bricky, and Professor Trent Nichols here hanging out in Central North Carolina talking about all things sports. Happy birthday, Charlotte Hornets. 30 Happy years. Birthday. Can you believe it? Well, I don't believe it because it's not really true. They so this is the 30th year of the from the beginning of Charlotte basketball. So it's happy birthday, New Orleans. It's happy birthday, somebody. <laughs> We've just got to get to the bottom of who it is because the original Hornets were there 30 years ago. They were founded. Yeah. And then in 02, sounds like the time they moved to New Orleans. Yep. Then they started back two years later as the Charlotte Bobcats, still one of the worst names. It's almost – which is worse, the New Orleans Pelicans or the Charlotte Bobcats? Pelicans. Pelicans is worse, Trent? Ah. Bobcats pretty bad. Yeah, Pelicans were, is pretty brutal. Weren't the Bobcats actually named after somebody? They would, the, was it the uh, the founder Carolina, of BET? Carolina Bobcats. Bob uh, Bob exactly. Johnson. Yeah, Bob John. And people don't realize they were actually named after him. That's You're a baller. How many other people have ever had a pro sports franchise that was named after him? Paul Brown, I guess, would be the only other one I could think of. Johnny Yankee back in 1910, he purchased a baseball team and named it Yankee. Well, we're full of full – of, Trivia. For the Bobcats were named after Bob Johnson. The Browns named after Paul Brown. Um, who? Oh, I thought it was that stain in my boxers they yeah, were named well, after. They Same normally are. Play. But Paul Brown was the founder of the Cleveland Browns and then was fired by the Cleveland Browns and run out of town. When so, so why don't they call it the curse of Paul Brown? They um, haven't won since Paul Brown got fired. They have, though. Oh. They have. I well, think they, they, I don't think they actually have NFL titles after Paul Brown left. I think Otto Graham, I think it was transfer. I, I have to Who knows? Anyway, I digress. My point is, is that, yes, 30 years ago, the Charlotte Hornets became a thing. And they were more, one of the more fun franchises to watch over the course of that first 10 or 12 years. That's some really good teams. Yep. Went to the, a, the, uh, the AFC. <laughs> Went to the Eastern Conference semifinals a couple of times. The couple of points that I want to make here. First of all, Lonzo Mourning. Alonzo Mourning is still one of the players most associated with the Charlotte Hornets. Trent, you're a casual fan, in particular the Charlotte Hornets. How long did Lonzo Mourning play for the Charlotte Hornets? Seven years. Three years. Ooh. Played his rookie deal. They couldn't get him re-signed. They Dude, that was to- the best NBA Jams team ever. Larry oh, Johnson, Lonzo dude. Mourning, and Muggsy Bogues. Let me tell you, it's funny you invoked NBA Jams. So my wife, we're looking for cool gifts for the kids, but we're also looking for really cool things for the house. We found stand-up 
Pac-Man consoles. When she showed me, I said, that's not full size. There's no way the full size is, is that height. And as we did a little bit more research, they're four feet. So they're big, but they're not big enough yeah. that you can stand up at. You'd sit, whatever. So it'd be cool for a kid. But I told her, funny that you say NBA Jams. If we were ever going to buy a stand-up console, it would have to be NBA Jam. Absolutely NBA Jam. And I would play with Charlotte every time because that Lonzo Morning, Larry Johnson tandem on there was the bomb. Mm-hmm. What about <clears throat> I'm drawing a blank. Uh, video game. I can't think of it. Oh, <laughs> Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo oh, Bowl is great. Tech yeah, but Mobile's I don't know great. if that was ever a stand-up game. No, it wasn't. But it would be a great one. It probably the problem, was. The problem but. with Tecmo Bowl is whoever takes the Raiders wins. Because uh, yeah. you can't stop the one play from Bo Jackson. Right. And then you make your then you piss your friends off because you're running circles around them and all that <laughs> stuff. And then a fight ensues. Somebody ends up in the emergency room. Okay, bad idea. Sirens blare. It's a it's a horrible <laughs> idea. Horrible idea. But NBA Jams, if somebody's got an NBA Jam stand up arcade game, call me because I'm seriously looking. They have them on the secondary market. They're about thirty five hundred dollars. I'm not willing to shell out thirty five hundred. John but, uh, Starks, Ewing, and Charles Oakley could compete against Charlotte. I mean, there's some really cool teams on You know, it seems that with the advent of new technology, you could, because then, of course, you needed a large monitor and machinery to make it happen. Yes. Now it's so compact. It seems like you somebody would have a general stand-up machine, but you could play all kinds of games on the same. They do. Okay. They do. In fact, we, were, we went to a house hunt with one of my kids that's in college. Mm-hmm. And my wife and the child went to go look at at um, rooms, and I stayed down in the lobby because they had one of those where okay. there were several different. But it seems like they would have play N- on the same game. NBA jams on there. Well, if somebody would, there would be a market for it because how many forty somethings would buy one of those? Everybody, every, and you could everyone. Put, you could put, dude. We need to like talk to somebody because that's a for real thing. Playing it on your TV is great, but standing at the game right next to the people you're playing with, there's something to be said for that. And if you could take NBA jams and put a couple other cool games in there, it'd be pretty dope. Yep. I'd be for that. And I would buy one. I might buy one anyway that just has NBA Jam on it just because that's my favorite stand, stand-up game, arcade game of all time. Now, for those of you that are out there listening, and nobody's paying me to tell you this, they do have for your iPhone – NBA Jam. The garbage about it is, though, is that to get all the good players, you have to pay. And I'm of, not. Of course. I'm not paying for ish on my phone. Now, right. you want to put put a game in my in my den? Yeah, I'm all in. No problem. That's all I got. That's it. All right. All right. Thank you all. Well, we'll see you Thank next you week, fellas. Thank you very much. I got Here's the thing. I started on that Lonzo Morning. Because Alonzo Morning, when you think Hornets, Alonzo Morning's one of those guys right. that you, you immediately gravitate toward. 30 years of Charlotte basketball. Lonzo was there for three years. He is still today, as we sit here now, the leading shot blocker in team history. I know when I was at I was at the game when they honored I know the you team. Were. And I was like, did they say that correctly? That is crazy. I, like, I looked three it up. Years and he was the leading still. Still. And they've had some players come sure through. Sure they have. I was I, like, was, wow. I was absolutely gobsmacked that that was for real, and it is. Um that really kind of messed me up. Most people couldn't remember and couldn't tell you 
who he was traded for. The guy he was traded for, the principal in that trade, was another one of the great all-time Hornets. It was Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice went from Miami to Carolina. Uh, There were some other players involved in that. But one of the guys, and I'm going to ask you, Britt, because you're Mr. Basketball, as least as it pertains to these four walls. Right. One of the players that Charlotte traded in that deal was Pete Myers. Remember Pete Myers? No. Pete Myers is the answer to a trivia question. Is it brother of Michael Myers? No. But that would be cool if he was. All right. Pete Myers is the guy that started at shooting guard when Michael Jordan retired. Pete Myers was the guy that came into Chicago and played no shooting guard. No we don't remember it. I'm just telling you. That is what Pete Myers' claim to fame right. is. He also was part of the package that took Lonzo Mourning out of Carolina. So he's got some history there for right. a guy that had a pretty nondescript career. What a bad player. Right. But my question for you, Brick, and for you, Trent, if you want to weigh in, because I don't know if you do, is who is your favorite Hornet of all time? I think – Muggsy Bogues. Do you really? Just because the odds of making the league and having a long and productive career, it's got to be astronomical at 5'6 <coughs> or 5'5 five, five or whatever he is. Well, it is. Astronomical is, is the perfect description because there's never been anybody that short and playing the NBA. I've got a couple of Muggsy stories because when I was a senior, he was a senior at Wake. So I visited Wake. He took me on my visit. And we oh. hung out. Um, and then I, before, I'm sorry, before, he was a junior. You, before and, you proceed, I have been told Muggsy is peerless when it comes to the ladies. I've heard the same thing. Okay, all right, finish your story. I, I've heard the same thing. But uh, he was a junior at Wake when I was a senior at school. So the next year I go to Duke, he's a senior and I'm a freshman. So we play against each other. And I remember catching a ball on the block. And I remember when the entry pass was coming in, I could see him at the top of the key guarding Tommy Amaker. And I went to take one dribble. I took him baseline. I was coming back middle. And he had taken the ball and was going the other direction. <laughs> and I was like, there was no way he could have covered that much ground that fast. Wow. I mean, it was like, I could see him. I was like, well, I'm good. If I take him here, I can dip back to the middle. He was gone. I was like, holy moly. But... He was amazing for his size, and he was fearless at – how tall was he, 5'3"? Five, five, I, I don't know. I think he was 5'6". Yeah, five, I think six, so, I don't too. 5'6". But he was amazing. So, Spud Webb was like 5'8", and I think Muggsy was a couple inches below him. So, just a – I like that fact. And then, you know, he's a, he went to Wake, and I, so there's a personal connection. So, I, I, Muggsy's my guy. That's cool. Now, I do have to tell you that I talked to Brandon Atkins earlier today, and I posed this question to him, knowing that he wasn't going to be here. 5'3". Five, 5'3". Three. Five, three. That's what Damn. I thought. Jeez. That's not just shit. That's like Prince, Prince, crazy. Prince height. <laughs> Who also was pretty good pretty with Pretty good ladies. baller. Yeah. He was the head coach of the uh, Charlotte Sting in the WNBA. I didn't know that either. Nope. I don't just remember that. Good information today. Yeah, thank you. Brandon's, you usually just full of it. Brandon's <laughs> statement was that – had anyone in the NBA been playing point guard for the Charlotte Hornets, they would have beaten the Bulls and gone to an NBA 
finals. Hmm. That's a big statement. And it, and it wasn't a uh, wasn't a bash against Muggsy Bogues. It right. was just because of his particular skill set. And I'd have to go back and look up what year it was. But I do remember the series, and it was when Lonzo hit the fadeaway jumper against the Celtics to put him into the next round. The Hornets were kind of jobbing the Bulls, and then the Bulls were like, oh, really? Watch this. Go ahead and shoot, Muggsy. And they forced Muggsy to shoot, and that just wasn't ever going right. to happen. So that's interesting. He said, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that his favorite Hornet was Larry Johnson. Grandmama. Grandmama. And we, we talked about that, too. People forget, and it's because Larry Johnson flamed out so quickly. Right. Larry Johnson was the NBA's poster child for a couple of years. And Grandmama, that kind of got run and was it. That was the premium ad for Nike at the time. That was the thing. And along those lines, the only other thing, and Jordan obviously is on a different planet, but the only other ad campaign from sort of that 10-year spectrum in the NBA was the Penny Hardaway ads. Right. The um, Little Penny. Little Penny, yeah. yeah. Which are pretty cool. But I'll take Grandmama over Little Penny every day. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing the Uncle Drew thing now. Uncle Drew, Kyrie, we're not impressed, bro. Yeah. We've seen this. Grandmama, yeah. that was that was what was up. All right, so I'm going to tell you my favorite. First, you have one, Trent? Well, see, I had my little sister was obsessed with the Hornets. Really? She had a room full of posters of Muggsy, Lonzo, Larry. But I would have to agree. I think it was just because it was Muggsy was 5'3", you know. I'll tell you the guy I hated the most. Who's that? Went to Illinois, Kendall, Kendall Gill. Gill. Because growing up as an Indiana Hoosier fan – him and Lou Henson broke our hearts a few times during those times when Kendall was at Illinois. So I disliked Kendall Gill. Well, funny that you you dropped Kendall Gill because for me, and Brick, we talk all the time about college teams from that era. There are three teams that stick out to me that I can't believe never won a national championship. The Georgia Tech team that had Kenny Anderson, Dennis Scott, Brian Oliver – the Syracuse squad. Well, we'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina. I will finish talking basketball in a minute. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, the inimitable Robert Ricky, Professor Trent Nichols. We were talking before the break, for that abrupt break. It was kind of a technical hiccup. Hiccup. Um, I was talking about college teams from that sort of 80s, early 90s era. Georgia Tech had a run for almost 10 years where, you know, you were talking about a break. It seemed like freshman of the year, freshman of the year, freshman of the year. Kenny Anderson came through there. Steph Marbury came through there. The beginning, you took me back a little bit farther than I was even thinking with Mark Price and John Sally. 
But Tom Hammonds played there. We said Dennis Scott. Dwayne Farrell. Yvonne Joseph. They just player after Tim player Duncan, after player. Tim Duncan, or was that no, later? No, 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 Wake. no, 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 no. That was Wake. Wake. Oh, never Another team that wears brown and gold. Yeah, so but, they, but for, for about eight years, they were really good. And I'm – and as good as they were, I'm surprised, as you were saying, yeah. they didn't win a title. Well, the other team is Syracuse in that era. That Ronnie Cycli, Derek mm. Coleman, mm. Stevie Thompson team is the best college basketball team I've ever seen that did not win a national championship. And I include the Fab Five in that. Mm-hmm. That team from Syracuse was stupid. Um, and Indiana, and I, t- I said this earlier to somebody, I've never in a championship game seen a team so thoroughly dominate and not win a game as Syracuse did Indiana that year. They just beat Indiana up and down the court until about five minutes left, and Bob Knight was like, watch this. Derek Coleman, go on and hit some free throws. Ronnie Cycli, you can try too, and nobody could. <laughs> right. And then Marcus Smart hits the floater off the baseline. Key Smart, thank Key you. Key Smart, my bad, not Marcus Smart. Key Smart. Reminds me. That's his uh, cousin. Smart takes Memphis. the shot. Same thing happened with Memphis. Yeah, they couldn't make free. They were playing well. Yeah, couldn't make free throws. Yes, and you know who didn't like the best player on Indiana, Steve Alford. They shut him down. Yeah, Syrac- he was that Syracuse horrible. team we, was. He couldn't hit. Was, was that 86? 86. 86. Well, 87. 86, 87. Season. Yeah, yeah. We played Indiana in the first round, and they beat us. Yeah, and uh, I had to guard Alford, and I swear he got six screens every possession. It was like you get over two, and then that third when you get caught, and then he catches you, bam! <laughs> I mean, I was like, "Where are they bringing dudes off the bench to set screens?" I was like, "This is amazing." I'd like I'd have to look up. I can't remember the championship because that team was intact for several years. I can't remember if Billy Owens was on that team. No, that the finals. He's, he's that was the next year. Him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because uh, um, man, you just added that guy to the mix. Billy Owens was one of the best college scorers you ever want to see. Anyway. I digress. My point was getting around to Kendall Gill. That Illinois team from that era, they were the gold standard in college basketball and could not win a national championship. You had uh, Nick Anderson, Kendall Gill, Marcus Liberty, Kenny Steve Battle. Bardo. Kenny Battle, good call. Uh, and he, you know what's funny? He played four at Il- in Illinois, but he was a three-point shooter in the league, and he's played a long time, and I can never remember his name. But they were – it was our first game. We played them in Hawaii my freshman year. And I was like – I watched them warm Dude. up. I was like, holy moly, we're here for a long night. <laughs> and they never went, never managed to win a national championship. That was, that was a squad. And Kendall Gill – Kendall Gill never – he wasn't on any of the Charlotte teams that were really that good, I don't know. No. Um, but anyway, he had, a, he had a nice career. He was always a – Was he the first draft pick? No. Who was was it? Del Curry? No. Um, the you, are you talking about in the, For the expansion Hornets, draft? In the expansion draft, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. But what I'm working all this way round to mm-hmm. is I want to hear your reaction when I tell you that my favorite all time Hornet is Kimball Walker. Well, okay, he's still playing. He, well, yeah, you know. I didn't like him early on because I didn't know much about his game. But well, he really, couldn't shoot when he first came in the league. Yeah, but he could put the ball in the bucket. Oh, right. Let me tell you, like, and you know what I like about him? He doesn't take bad shots. Not normally. I, I am. I hated dude. Like I watched um, 
Utah player the other night, and Donovan Mitchell, he took 35 shots and made 12. Rick, I was you're like, leaving so out the – you're leaving the Celtics? You're, yes. leaving out the, you're leaving out the worst part of that stat line. He did take 35 shots and had zero assists. Yeah. Hmm. So I was like, as a coach, that's poor. That's not facilitating good chemistry because now all of a sudden you stand around watching a guy go one on one. Thirty five shots. That's reserved for elite players like Jordan Bird. I mean, those you don't mind if they take thirty five, but you, this is your second year in the league, and you get zero assist. Well, Utah's in a tailspin right now. Yeah. You know, a couple days ago they get beat by Dallas by. 50. 50. <laughs> I was like, 50. You know, 1868. I thought I was, I thought I was, somebody had screwed up the crawl. You know, when I saw that, you know, you roll over and the TV's on, you, you hear something or you see something, he's like, and your eyes haven't adjusted. I was like, I, I know he's sick, but I, I, I know I didn't see that right. Because usually they're, Quinn does a great job coaching that team. And they're usually very disciplined, but to lose by 50. 50. I know some nights, you, it's just not your night. You're not going to make shots. Whatever. But you ain't going to lose by 50. 50. 50. God, am I. Not to Dallas. Dude. Not to anybody. But by I'll 50. tell you what, Luka Doncic is playing really well. I, I'm eating some crow. Yeah, the dude is playing well, man. Statist- First of all. I mean, not just uh, scoring and assists. He can play. And then he's got uh, – I always look at field goal percentage. He's shooting the ball well. I am very, very, very surprised by Luka Doncic. First of all, his basketball instincts are great. Yeah. Secondly, he plays older than he is. He does, and he's taller than I expect him to be. All (laughs) these guys coming out of Europe are always bigger or always smaller than they're advertised. He's no little guy. I still wonder as we move forward if he has – enough quickness to be a superstar in the league, right. but he certainly can be an all-star caliber player every once in a while. Better than he's, Trey Young? Trey Young, of <laughs> the 146 players in the NBA who have averaged at least one three-point shot per game, Trey Young is 140th in accuracy. He's Brandon ha- Atkins likes it. to say all the time, Somebody's got to get the points. <laughs> That's this example. I'm here to tell you that if Colin Sexton or Shea Gilgis Alexander were playing in that Atlanta offense, they would have better stat lines by far. It's hard to shoot 27% from three point range. It's hard. It seems like he takes Dude. long threes like he's got a point to prove. Like he made one the other night and he's pointing to the spot like I made it from the. But you, you shoot. Yeah, and what did they say on ESPN? Oh, Steph Curry like three yeah. pointer by Trey. Shut up, please. Yeah. So, so I wanted to Shut ask up. you this. Yes. Since Luca's playing so well, do you get rid of Dennis Smith? No. Why not? Um, Dennis Smith can do things on the basketball court that everybody can't do. I yeah, I agree. I think you've got to be able to figure out a way. For one of them to play primarily at the two and the other to play the point guard. The NBA is about collecting stars. Right. It's not about finding role players. It's not about bench players. It's not about depth. It's about finding the best five stars to put on the on the court. Those two guys are not guys that you can trade and get equal value back for. 
The problem in the NBA, when you see a guy get moved, you see Jimmy Butler get traded for Sarich and Covington. Okay, great. You could have just as easily signed two mid-level free agents and gotten those type ball players. Trying to get a star or someone that has legit potential to be a star back for either one of those guys would be tough. Donkic, there may be enough hype that they could deal and, and get something back for him. But if if you're the Mavericks, what do you deal – who do you try to get back if you're I hold both of them, no matter what. Like you said, you got to just – once you get the aces in your hand, you got to hold them. In the NBA, it's about stacking stars. And it's up to the organization to figure out how to use them both. You tell me, though. You're the coach. What would you well, try to do here? I think they're both – at their best when they have the ball in their hands when they're facilitating, but and so I don't and I haven't seen either one of them make the adjustment to playing off the ball and doing it well. So maybe that takes time, but you know how much time do you have? You already in a rebuilding. True. You're in a rebuilding mode, so TikTok, you got you got a little time. But. You got a couple of years. You got three more years of Dennis Smith becomes before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Four years of Donkage. Um, one of the things, though, is the Mavs have hamstrung themselves because they gave up the number one to, to move up right. and get Trey or to get out of Trey Young, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting for the Mavs. If I'm the Mavs, I'm actually looking trying to get rid of somebody like Harrison Barnes. Yeah. Barnes is on a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Barnes is not a bad ball player, but yeah. you can't throw money into I ball players yeah. when you're going to pay him twenty five million bucks a year. You know what kills me about him. He'll have 25 and 12 tonight and then seven and <laughs> three and four turnovers tomorrow. It's like he is the most inconsistent dude I've ever seen. Well, going all the way back to when he showed up at UNC, he's been that guy. Yep. And there's no doubt when he is engaged and focused. He's a good player. He can stroke it. I yeah. mean, he can score. He just scores. He's, he's not even – Yeah, I'm not even going to sell him down the river and say, well, you know, he's just a good shooter. He's not. He is a scorer. Yeah. Um. But there was a reason Golden State was like, all these people we got to try to figure out how to pay, you ain't in that group. So do you think that Kemba Walker, since he's your favorite Hornet, do you think he is the biggest superstar that nobody talks about? Yes. Under the radar? You're talking about league-wide in the NBA? Yes. Nationwide. There's some close seconds probably. But the fact that for whatever reason Damian Lillard has jumped into the public consciousness, I would say that Kimba probably is. So who I saw this on social media earlier this week. Yeah. Who's better? Kemba or who would you rather have? Kemba or Kyrie? Um, and I'm not saying trade in one of them. That's an interesting team. question. And I look forward to answering it on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. 
Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue and you can use like anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. I got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. All right, welcome back from the cheap seats. Half an hour in the books. We'll continue to drive on here. Um, we're gonna get. We're gonna talk NFL and a little bit of college football in the second hour. But I want to spend another little bit on the NBA because there's a lot of really compelling things going on. I want to make a statement, and Bricky, you tell me true or false. Philadelphia got better with the addition of Jimmy Butler, but there is no chance that they can win the East as long as Brett Brown is the coach. True. Boom. That simple. We got Trent. Trent's got nothing. Oh, no. Trent's I like agree. Boston Celtics. No, 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 no. <laughs> I I agree, but I still think I want to see what happens. Okay. I think there's a lot of egos in there that if something goes rocky, they don't have the coach to bring them back. You're talking about Philly or you Philly. talking about – Philly. Yeah, well, it's not just the ego thing. First of all, uh, first of all, I do hold the lack of development um, – with Ben Simmons against Brett Brown. But out of timeouts in dead ball situations, what Philly does with the basketball never makes any sense, including we were we were talking about that particular game against the Hornets. Philly tied at the end of regulation, 10 seconds left, brings it down. The only thing they can come up with is we're going to ISO Jimmy Butler and then take a bad shot. They get into overtime. Twice. It's tied. They come down with about 12 seconds left, and all he can come up with is we're going to ISO Jimmy <laughs> Butler and let him throw up a bad shot. The second one he hit, great play. Dwayne Bacon's hand is in his face, whatever. On the way to that, though, at the end of regulation, if you recall, they had an out-of-bounds situation with the lead and called the most bizarre out-of-bounds play you ever want to see where Ben Simmons just sort of lofted it into the key like a 50-50 ball, like a jump ball that Hernan Gomez goes up and gets and they're going the other direction. And that just always seems to be. If you look back at last year's playoffs against the Celtics, the out-of-bounds dead ball plays coming out of timeouts. Brett Stevens, or Brad Stevens, it shouldn't be a big deal. You know, you shouldn't get credit for coming up with great calls out of timeouts. 
But when you're coming up with great calls out of timeouts and the guy on the other end of the floor is a complete moron when it comes to that, that's a big deal. And it's those type things, plus, like I said, the lack of ability to develop Ben Simmons and now Markel Fultz. This Ben Simmons thing is comical. Yeah. This guy in his entire career, you don't know this, Trent, has never hit a single three-pointer ever, not one time. How Ooh. is that? Ben Simmons, not one. Not a single three-pointer. He is over for his career. Oh, so that's what that whole thing is. Everyone's like, shoot the three. Yeah. Not because he's never. Wow. I don't even know how many he's taken this year. As a rookie, 11 three-pointers, zero made. There are – Dude. That's not crazy. One yeah. in this, in how is he rookie NBA, of the year? Not even that. Well, how was he rookie Jeez. of the year? Because he was in Philly and he had all the Stupid. hoopla around him. He won't. Anyway. He will not even shoot mid range shots. No, nope. he, like, he unless it's going to the bucket, he's not going to shoot it. Ducks and runs, and he still is a matchup nightmare because he's so big and so lithe and so good with the ball in his hands. But in today's NBA, where it's all about spacing, <laughs> that is going he to get, get you killed at some point. Yeah. Especially when you got. Fultz, who you were hoping could develop into a Dude. decent player, and he is a, uh, oh. a an atrocity oh. mentally. No, I don't know the kid. I'm not, not talking about, but just you can tell he is thinking about everything instead of playing. So, and you can't be a decent player when you're thinking about the process, uh, and you're scared to shoot, and you double clutch it on free throws. Ricky, I grew up as a military dependent, so I moved all over the place. And many times as a kid, I was mid-season for a team, football, basketball, baseball, whatever the case might be. So I was the kid sometimes coming into a brand new system mid-swing because, you know, incorporating new kids just happened all the time. Oh, good. We got a good athlete that just PCS'd in with mom and dad. What Markel Fultz reminds me of is a really talented athlete that just transferred in with his parents yesterday and is in the first day of practice. Where you can see the tools are there. Yeah. But he has, but he no, has idea. no idea what's going on. Yeah. It's like, it is unbelievable. You sent me a text during the game where like Jimmy Butler looks lost in this offense. I think he is. Yeah. Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid have got to get used to what each other does well and where yeah. the other's going to be on the court. Time. So that's forgivable. But if Jimmy Butler is quote unquote lost what the hell is Markel Fultz? Yeah. Because you watch him even off the ball. He's kind of taking three steps and turning his head. There's nothing fluid about what's going on with his game at any point. Right. And it's really bizarre. I've never seen anything quite like it. Trent. Yeah. You're looking up something. What do you got? Yeah, you got some amazing Yeah, I mean, stat. yeah, he hasn't even I, attempted one. That's so unbelievable. You, that is not often that you're like, wait a Yeah, minute. no, I couldn't believe that. Like Not I one. thought he was just a poor shooter because I I follow a lot of Boston people on Twitter <laughs> and their running thing is Ben Simmons shoot the three shoot the three you know and this year none but zero okay so he set out a year yep you had an entire season to work on your shot an entire season you had an entire off season after you almost made it to the finals but you decided to mess around with a Jenner. Is he messing with one of them? No, they plays? broke up before the season, but that's oh, what he spent dude. all summer doing, Kendall Jenner. And Jenner. Then, I, I didn't realize he had and Kendall Jenner. He, didn't, he had the entire, entire second year, semester whoever. at LSU. Right. Because <laughs> evidently he didn't go to class. But So what 
And I know he stays in the gym. So how is it that you cannot get in this day and age when it's all about the three pointer? How does he not? How does he get away with that? I don't because he's a six ten point guard that is legitimately that good with the ball in his hands. He also, I don't think he's a great defender, but his length against another one or another two, it just causes problems. There is a lot of value in Ben Simmons' game. I can understand with Shaquille O'Neal and DeAndre Jordan and these big guys that can't shoot free throws. One, because it's so contrary to everything else going on in the game where it's from a standstill, dead hush, I'm going to do this. That's in your head. It's hard. I know some really good shooters that struggle with the mental part of taking a free throw. However, when you're in the flow of a game, most of the shots that you'll take in basketball, you don't have time to think about it. It's something that is part of what you do. And for this guy to not be able to hit anything from outside of about eight feet is just weird. Yeah. And now you see the same type thing going on with Fultz. I, my wife will tell you, I do not believe in coincidence. There is no such thing. There's always some underlying factor. Something's wrong with what's going on in Philly from a player development standpoint. I don't know if it falls on Brett Brown. I don't know who it falls on with. But it seems to me like there's plenty of ex-NBA or ex-high-level Division One players, I'm looking at you, Robert Bricky, that could teach two physically gifted specimens like Ben Simmons and Mark Fultz how to shoot a freaking basketball. You know, here's a part of the problem now is you're in season. So you've got to – I bet you if we watch them in shooting drills, they're okay. But you've got to be have the same confidence in a game – Going cut off screen, going off the dribble, whatever. You gotta, you've got to be able to re- recreate those same movements with against competition and make that shot. So I would have made them play all summer. I'd have got a group of dudes that can really play. I'm say, listen, you shoot the ball not every time, but you get take it. I want you to get used to taking shots in game because right now they both look like they don't want no parts of shoot. So you know Simmons can says- affect it. You know who it says worked on his three-point shot all summer long? LeBron. Enos Cantor. Who worked on his shot all summer? His Enos three Cantor point. worked yes. on his own three and shot? So now, yeah, he oh, worked great. on a three-point shot all summer long, yet Ben Simmons couldn't? I, I, dude, <laughs> what's the – what's the uh, – the, uh, one of the twins from uh, – God, I'm not Man, he's struggling I'm today. struggling today. Dude, he's got the best Stanford from last week. twins in the league big, big, with the Stanford. Uh, Lopez, twins, Lopez, Brooke and Robin. Which one is hit eight threes the other night? Brooke. Uh, that would be Brooke. Brooke. He's shooting it really well from three. So he goes from straight post guy to three point shooting guy. What happened? I don't know. You know, so Ricky, I'm not trying to be funny when I say this. I was a pretty good ball player when I was in high school. Obviously, nowhere near the stats on that trend. Nowhere near the level that you were, and you know, I could go in the park, and if I was on, I could, I could, I could run some stuff. I was a pretty good all-around athlete. I was more of an athlete than a basketball player. But I promise you now, even at the age of forty-six, if you gave me six months with nothing to do but work on a shot, I could go hit thirty or thirty-five percent from three. There is not a doubt in my military mind that I could do that. I, I am more certain I could do that. Then I could get out and and hit enough golf balls to shoot par. Right. But I know that if all I had to do was shoot all day and had you know some kid to rebound for me too, 
and all I had to do was go out there and take a couple thousand shots a day. Come you, on, man. And you got a facility with a shooting machine. Right. You could take unlimited shots with nobody in there but you. So you could and, – and we talked about the, how it's, it's a huge mental process. So while you're in the gym, you got to be thinking, okay, I did these things, I did these things. And then you got to put that in the context of a game. And that's the problem now. They can't get better during the season. They don't have time. And you so you can't jack bad shots in games. You you lose, and then you don't have enough time to practice because you play back to back and you travel. So we're blaming Kylie Jenner. Yeah, I guarantee you, we could go to a gym right now with a hoop, and Robert would be like, "Damn, your form and foundation for shooting is a lot better than Markel's." Oh my God, that's that. I don't even. I don't even know. I mean, and I didn't play. I mean, I think the last time I played basketball on a team was like sixth grade. So it looks like. Every time he shoots it, it's something completely different. Dude, I that video of him shooting a foul shot was with like the, with the pump fake. Dribble, 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 dribble. Bloop. Oh, no, no he did you see the, the one? Next? No, I haven't. Did seen you see it. the new one? Uh uh-uh. uh He's standing at the line and he dribbles, dribbles, and then he's like dribbling the ball back and forth up in the air and with his arms fully extended, then flings the ball oh, at the no, hoop. No. I'm going to find the video. Oh, my <laughs> God. No, the up. one I thought was the end all was the pump fake free throw. No. I've never, no, never, no. So, never yeah. seen a that pump was, fake free throw I think throw it was against before. the Hornets. Yeah. I think you, you were there. Yeah. You see uh, – I remember back in the day, these years that fingertip drill where you just want one. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's when he started doing that, and he gets the ball above his head and he shoots it right from the. And so it's the weird. Good I was like, Lord. what? So I blame Brett Brown. He said the ball slipped on his. If it slipped, it comes out of his hand. <laughs> it didn't leave his hand. If it slipped, <laughs> we, we would notice it's coming out some kind of way. All right, back to what we meant. We were during the break, man. Crazy, compelling questions come from every corner. And the question Trent asked, I don't even remember if it was on the air or after, but he asked, is Kyrie and Kimba, which is the better player? I think who, was Who would you rather have? Who would I rather have, Kimba or Kyrie? I think, to run that back again. Here, hold on. I got I to gotta see this. That's bizarre. I, <laughs> I got nothing. Kimba or Kyrie, I will say this first before I before I move forward with this non-answer. To me, right now today, the best three below-the-rim players in the NBA are Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, and Kimba Walker. I would take either Walker or Kyrie ahead of Chris Paul because Chris Paul's not a scorer anymore. Chris Paul, as much as I don't love his game anymore – is still the most efficient point guard I've ever seen in the NBA. He and John Stockton are like 1 and 1A. Um, I, you know what? Given all of the drama that has surrounded Kyrie and his perceived inability to get along with anybody, I'm going to go with Kimba because Kimba has, has operated in relative obscurity. If you peel back all of the things he has said, even during the worst times in Charlotte, Never one word of negativity. He shows up. He goes to work every he night. He plays hard every night. And the other piece with that is that his career is on an upward trajectory. Kimball Walker, people, you know, he's at 60 the other night. Ricky, Ricky, you said he doesn't take bad shots. Kimba's still getting better. Yeah. We'll finish that thought on the other side, and then we'll pivot on to some NFL. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott.
was just a tiny baby. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. Hope everybody's preparing for a great holiday. My favorite holiday of all of them is Thanksgiving. Um, Trent, which favorite holiday? Probably still Christmas Christmas. Eve, Christmas. Any day I can get off. I I mean, you know what's funny? He's like Arbor Day. At my age, you know, it's weird. When both of your parents are gone, it's just different. And so it's like, you know, for a long time, I would go home for Christmas, and I always thought that was really cool. But now it's like... You know where can I go where when it's where it's warm and I can go to the beach and you 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 asked I think you snuck in there why Thanksgiving's my favorite first of all it's because you know and you can plan that it is a four day weekend where the whole weekend is just sort of chilled right um, I love to eat I love to cook um, that's a big part of it man and then family you know you get a chance to get folks together and get them around the table. And some of the best Thanksgivings I've ever had have not had a whole lot of extended family. It's been friends and folks from around the region. My wife and I actually, we, we talked about this. I think, honestly, this is the very last time we are ever going to travel for Thanksgiving. We are at a point in our lives now where our kids are grown. We have the homestead. They are more than welcome to come back any year for Thanksgiving. But I think we would rather stay so we don't have to deal with the stress and the turmoil of 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 traveling and in our family we are the best cooks so we will lay out the best spread and anybody that's one to come on over come on over but i think we would much rather entertain than be entertained right and whether that means a whole lot of family coming in or just a whole bunch of friends coming by and doing sort of the you know stop my open house or however it works out i think that's what thanksgiving will look on look like moving forward and we're excited about that because you know how it is, man. The travel, it's great. We're going home. We're gonna we're gonna be there with the kids. We're gonna be there at my mom's it's house. What's that? It's exhausting. It is exhausting. First of all, you gotta get somewhere. Yeah. Everybody's going somewhere. Yep. Highways packed, airports yep. packed. Hope the weather's not bad. Oh, to delay you say that. Then you get there and you gotta unpack. And then you gotta spend your time seeing all your family. So sure. I gotta see Aunt Joan and Uncle Billy and so you run around the whole and man, man can you come back and then next you you've run in now you gotta get back on the, the car, on the plane. Yeah. Come back, go to work. Yeah. Well <laughs> we're actually we're actually driving to Mississippi this time around because we have some stuff we need to bring back. With us, so we're going to hopefully get out of town in time to beat traffic, but coming back, 
pick your poison, man. You go yeah. get stuck in traffic one See, way or the other, so I'm not excited. My industry has kind of ruined all holidays because I always have to work. Really? But I don't have to travel, so. I guess that's a good thing. You, you work in the restaurant, like, so everyone's off. That's when you're busy, so. Do you have, like, You know, uh, that week in between Christmas and New Year's is, like, hell week. Do you have, like, a uh, Thanksgiving wing well we're off we're closed thanksgiving and christmas day so i know at least i have those days oh that's cool yeah well i tell you what man you guys have a standing invitation after this year you guys should come out to the house for thanksgiving sit and watch football drink beer all day eat plenty of food it'll be laid out we're ready you ready we'll be there thursday at 9 (laughs) a.m no problem (laughs) you too bring it so so we're gonna go ahead and coordinate i haven't even like consulted with my wife next thanksgiving all right you we'll guys come out there, the whole day. The DeLamberts. Bam. Done. Perfect. Put it on put it in your calendar. We got it. All right, cool. Um, anybody else out there in listener land that wants to come out, you're not invited. So just so you're clear on that. No. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Now, back to what we were talking about with regard to NBA basketball. Um, Kyrie or Kimba. I was saying as we went into the break, people forget Kimba couldn't shoot a lick when he came into the league. He was a heady player that could maybe get to the 10. He played tough defense. He was going to be good with the ball in his hands, make good passes. And, you know, on a good night, he'll get you 20. Kimba has become a top-shelf scorer. There is nothing fluky about what he's done the last couple years in Charlotte. He plays good defense, not great defense, because he's the exact opposite of what we talked about with Ben Simmons. He's not a long guy. He's a stocky guy, so he's got to play defense with his feet, as you guys like to say, you know, y'all ball coaches. That's right. But Kimba, I would say Kimba because his his skill set is still on an upward trajectory. Kyrie is probably about as good as Kimba, six of one, half dozen of the other. The difference is when I watch Kyrie now at 26, I don't see a single thing different about his game than when he was 21. Right. You know, it's all predicated on his handles. And, you know, I know we've been throwing around a lot of, you know, the best I've ever. There haven't been many people play basketball ever that have better handles than Kyrie Irving does. He's amazing with what he can do with the ball in his hands. But he hadn't become a better shooter, hadn't become a better finisher, um, hasn't become a better dribbler than when he came into the league. So that's where I'm at with it. Ricky, I'm really interested to hear what you have. I agree with you about his trajectory. I like the fact that Kimba is very efficient. Like, he shoots a high percentage – he takes good shots. He scores in the context of the offense, which there's a lot of flow to it. And he believes the earth is round. <laughs> that probably puts me over the top. I'm all for Kimba. I think at this point, first of all, let me say, I think Charlotte's a playoff team this year. I think they're an eight seed, maybe a seven seed at best. Worst for them as they end up as nine or a ten just on the outside looking in. They're close. Two things. First of all, they cannot let Kimba leave. All the speculation about trading Kimba, if you're going to do it, it has to be an on-the-fly type thing where you get a boatload of loot. It's got to be an enormous package. Kimba Walker, I've told you, is my favorite Hornet of all time. There are a lot of people in that Charlotte region that would concur with that. And even those that don't say in the last 15 years, he's far and away the best player that's been there in Charlotte you can't let him get out of town. They have to re-sign him. Now, the problem with that is they're saddled with that huge Nick Batum contract that at the time they really didn't have any choice. Right. 
You know, Batum was that good that you're like, if we let him walk, we're really going to look stupid but for that. It seems like he's fallen off a cliff. He has fallen off a cliff. Like, three years ago, he was good. And he, I watched him the other night. I was like, is he here? Like, he he looks slow. He looks uninterested. He looked um, uh, like he, he didn't want to be there. Like, it was nothing about him that said – I am making a lot of money as leave because I'm a good player. I was like, holy, we need to shoot him, put him out of the pasture, man. I am I am not sure why his game fell off a cliff. I do know that leading up to that contract, he had probably earned that contract. Yeah, he was balling. The guy that did not earn a contract that still the Hornets are stuck with is Marvin Williams. Yeah. Marvin Williams got the UNC homeboy hookup and got that $14 million a year deal. They're kind of stuck with it. But I do have to say – I'm impressed with what Marvin Williams is doing this year. He contributes. The guy that's killing me and is going to kill the Hornets is Jeremy Lamb. Lamb finally showed up. That dude can play ball. Yeah. The problem is he showed up in his contract year. So now you're the Hornets and you've been watching this kid suck for four years. Now he shows up. And he's going to go get you 15 or 20 a night. And you're like, this is the kid we want. We drafted. This is what we expected all along. Now what do you do? And Jeremy Lamb may be sacrificed because they have to bring Kimba back on a max deal. It's going to be interesting to see if they can balance the two. I really hope that they have the foresight to not go all in on a playoff run this year and that they can find a way down the stretch to deal one of these big contracts and free up some cheese. Marvin Williams would be a guy. Um, Nick Batum would be another that they could live without moving forward. But if they can get out from under those deals like they did the Dwight Howard thing, be a whole other thing. And Timothy Moskov, don't even get me started with that nonsense. I'm still trying to figure out how Brooklyn could buy out Dwight Howard, but Charlotte couldn't. I don't. Right. It doesn't make sense to me. It's got Russian money. It, but it must That's be. That's what it is. Must be. Um, so those are my observations with regard to the Hornets. It's more Hornets basketball than we've talked in two years combined. Speaking of which, I don't know, it popped up as a Facebook memory for Brandon and I this weekend. Um, the picture came up and it was the Happy barbecue anniversary. the barbecue festival from two years ago. And that was that was pretty cool. Um and you've been out here hanging out with us ever since, man. It's kind that's of right. amazing. And How barbecue brings people together. That's right. And if anybody wants us to judge future Dude. barbecue contests, just let us know. Barbecue, and you chicken wings, invite the beer, professor pies, this time. That's right. beer, uh, anything edible. Uh, sushi we're contest, we're there. We're there. And we will bring beer with us. That's right. No, no problem. So let's talk some football. Let's do that. Big, big, big mammoth Holy matchup. Moment. Listen, Coming I don't up. get excited about a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I, I like to get home on Monday night and watch a game. But, like, I'm going to get popcorn. I'm going to be ready for popcorn. Mm. I'm turning my phone off. I mean, I am ready for this game. I cannot remember a Monday night game that I legit planned my week around. Dude, and we saw that this could be potentially this iconic. Like, we won. And it's here. It's here. It's 9-1 and one versus 9-1-1. and one Patrice Mahomes versus the John Madden video game L.A. Rams, baby. <laughs> I am. So, I've never Dude. been more excited for a Chiefs game in no. my life, and I want the Rams to win 
I don't want them to destroy them. I want a great game, but I want the Rams to win. Yeah. I why, want, why do you say that, Trent? I mean, I'm sorry. But, the Chiefs are in the AFC West, so I, I really I never root for them to win. But I think this is more of a statement win for the Rams to live up to the hype they've had all year. That's saying we can go into the AFC and beat the Chiefs. All right, we'll talk more NFL on the other side. I've got some things to add about Patrice Mahomes. See you on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome to Hour 2 from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Robert Bricky, Professor Trent Nichols hanging out. We are talking NFL. And before we continue previewing this L.A.-Kansas City matchup, uh, which will be in the books by the time this airs, you know, the virtue of not doing live radio. Um, I want to say that I will be off this week. There will be no trivia with Chris Lambert at Libations on Chatham for Thanksgiving. What? No, sir. I will be in the great state, great-ish state of Mississippi. I actually, um, Thanksgiving night, when I would ordinarily be doing trivia at Libations, I will be at the Egg Bowl. For those of you that don't live in Mississippi or are not really deep SEC fans, that is the annual matchup of Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I will be on campus at Ole Miss at the ball game. I'm really looking forward to that. That's something I used to do every year, and I haven't been in a while. So, um, yeah, it'd be great to be back in Mississippi for a minute, see some people I haven't seen in ages, and get out to that ball game. Um, anybody out there who talks about their school and its tailgate reputation has never been to Ole Miss for tailgating. They do it big. Dude, next level. Next level. There is nothing like it anywhere, and I've traveled far and wide. Nothing like the tailgating going on at Ole Miss. It's just different. It's a whole different thing. They And they are proud of it, too. We might lose the game, but we will win the party. That is their school motto. <laughs> I like it. Period. We need a from his cheap seats bus. A bus would be great. Party bus, like a tailgate a bus. bus. Now that doesn't need to be a bus. What we no, need we is an RV. Those custom buses. We need an RV with the grill. You pull out the side and big screen TV on the side. We need one of those. I'm down for that. 
I'm down. Trent? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, you know, Zion today has hit more three-pointers than uh, Ben Simmons. Oh, they played at five. Zion can actually. What's the score? Oh, did they 26-15 right now in Maui with 9.47 left in the first half. Who they Leading got score R.J. Barrett has got eight points. Reddish has five, and Zion has three. Who's going to be the best pro out of that group? You've seen him up close and personal. That's a great question. I'm going to say Zion. I think so, too. Because I don't know how you cannot pick that. Well, no. He can do so many things. And I think I think he's a pretty decent shooter. He just doesn't shoot much from the perimeter. So I think he can, he can be a good shooter. Plus, he can put it on the floor. Plus, he can finish on your head. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Dude, he's hit a three-pointer, and Ben Simmons hasn't, so I, I agree with you. can shoot the three. Don't, don't <laughs> get it twisted. Here's my question for you, though. 82 games a year in the NBA on the regular season. Too season. heavy. No, I'm not. Oh. 82 games. Defense is optional in a lot of these games. How many NBA players are going to get in this dude's way when he goes on one of those kamikaze mm. runs to the rim? There will be some professional decisions made, business decisions on a daily basis. Right. That is a huge man. He is a huge man. I Look, I am on the record watching high school tape on him saying he was pudgy, he was out of shape. I don't know what kind of steroids they pumped into him at Duke. I'm just playing. I know they have special scientists in a bunker. They do have special scientists in the bunker. That dude – Physically, I, I did a lot of thinking. Who does this guy remind me of? Who is he built like? Brandon and I have laughed all along at the comparisons to Charles Barkley. That's somebody that no. – we were talking about talking heads not knowing what they're yeah. talking about. His it, Barkley and he have nothing to do with one yeah. another. He's built like J.J. Watt. I, I said Julius Peppers. Peppers, yeah. About the same height. No, actually, I think he's a little heavier than Peppers. Oh, he's heavier than Peppers was. <laughs> Peppers, when he was in school, was probably two fifty-five, something like that. Um, he was, no, we looked it up last week. He was two seventy-five. Was he really two seventy-five? We looked it up. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And he's he was a Zion's hard. bigger. Zion's, Zion's huge. bigger, but similar build, similar athleticism. Because Julius was a heck of an athlete, but yeah, not. Like he didn't have any skills, though. I mean, he no. was a—he was like, was, I'm not going to play go, basketball, y'all. I'm going to go old school. Who played basketball and football? Tony Gonzalez. Tony wasn't ripped kind up like that. that. No, Tony, yeah? was like, Tony wasn't. Tony was like two forty-five. Yeah, really? Tony wasn't mm. shredded like that. Tony was a big guy, but Tony was. Nah. Two other about, things I find I've got uh, some, interesting. I've got some pictures on my phone that I brought back from the game. Of him standing next to normal size athletes that are going to make your head spin. He is a gargantuan human being. Who's Yeah. Oh, I know. I was. I. I was that's standing right, right next to him. Stood right next to him, haven't you? He. It's like Thanos, dude. I think that's his nickname, Thanos. Thanos. Yeah. Well, He's Villanova Thanos. and Syracuse are out of the top twenty-five. Villanova's dude. had two bad losses. What and happened against a Michigan? big shock going back into the NFL. Mark Sanchez is now the backup quarterback to Colt McCoy. And yet, Colin Kaepernick has not gotten a call. So, speaking of Colin Kaepernick, 
This weekend in the NFL, here's how we transition into the NFL. Lamar Jackson made his NFL debut against Cincinnati Bengals. Marvin Lewis said, quarterbacks don't run forever. No, they don't. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you, though, that the first, if I'm not mistaken, the first 11 plays that the Ravens ran were quarterback runs. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, and I'm not going to nerd out on the Bengals, I promise. There's no geek out coming. The Bengals defense with Marvin Lewis running that defense, light years better than it was with Terrell Austin. Period. They will be okay. And they have a favorable schedule the rest of the way. I expect the I expect the Bengals to make the playoffs. They're at five and five right now. I expect them to finish the year at ten and six. We'll see how it goes. Um they had every opportunity to win that ball game. However, Lamar Jackson is going to cause defensive coordinators fits for the next six weeks. I I haven't seen a team commit to and execute the run the way that Lamar Jackson was able to since Colin Kaepernick first broke into the league. And to his demise, Jim Harbaugh decided to turn him into a pocket passer, and all of a sudden he was very ordinary. Now, I do have to say this, and if you recall, at one point I made the statement way back when, Lamar Jackson might be, during his junior year at Louisville, might have been the best college quarterback I've ever seen. He was that good. However, Colin Kaepernick's a superior athlete in every way. He's faster. He's got a bigger arm. I don't think Lamar Jackson – I think we need to roll back the hype a little bit. Lamar Jackson, first and foremost, is not a very big guy. And I mean that that he's, he's a slender athlete and he's not very tall. He's probably about as fast as the average wide receiver in the NFL. And the accuracy is going to be a very big problem. He can't drive the ball down the field like Colin Kaepernick did. For all of Colin Kaepernick's accuracy issues, he had an enormous arm. Lamar Jackson doesn't have that. This is going to be a very gimmicky offense for the next four or five weeks. It's going to take teams a minute to react. Now that there is tape on him, they'll get away with it for a couple more weeks, and then they won't. So he is either going to develop and be able to push the ball accurately down the field or he is not going to start in the NFL. This, what they're running right now is a true RPO. And what Marvin Lewis said is right on. Quarterbacks don't run in the NFL for very long. They will get beat up. And there were times Lamar Jackson made some highlight top plays and spun out of uh, you know potential sacks and was able to pick up yardage with his feet. He does a good job of keeping his eyes down the field. His ability to deliver the ball on the move is not great. Baker Mayfield does it better. Sam Darnold does it better. Colin Kaepernick did it better. Lamar Jackson has a very long way to go. So good for him. He won his first game there in Baltimore. Um, that is a game. Cincinnati missed a field goal with about four minutes to go and then had the ball back driving to perhaps win the ball game. The difference between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, there are some differences. Ben Roethlisberger and AB being the big, the two biggest, but the third biggest difference between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, Pittsburgh gets calls down the stretch. Cincinnati doesn't. Cincinnati did not get a mugging called in their favor on fourth down with a chance to go down and win the ball game. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, at Jacksonville, does get a pass interference call oh, in the end zone as time expires, basically, that keeps the game alive. Um uh, very frustrating day for the Jaguars. I want to say, after I just got done saying Lamar Jackson, let's hold off for a second. Jalen Ramsey, 
at this point today, best cornerback in football, period, bar none. He is a special ball player. Special. I saw him do some things this weekend, and not for the first time, that just confirmed for me. He is playing on a different plane than any other cornerback in the NFL. Now, the questions are coming out. Should Jacksonville deal Jalen Ramsey? Hell no. Yeah, why? Well, it's because we're, it's a theme today. National Talking Heads ain't got nothing better to do than be wrong about things. Jalen Ramsey, if you're putting together a ball club, there are defensive positions that people look at and they're like, you know what? Those are non-premium positions. There is not a team in the NFL where at least one quarterback, cornerback spot is not a quote-unquote premium position. Teams are always searching for a lot of things. First and foremost is the quarterback. After that, a number one wide receiver, a left tackle, an edge rusher, and cornerback are probably the one thing that every team has to have to be effective. If you deal Jalen Ramsey and you're not getting one of those four or five things back, you're falling short. You cannot give up a player like that in the prime of his career. And the NFL, we've seen this with you know the whole – um, Le'Veon Bell saga. If an NFL team wants to keep you, you're there. You know, Jalen Ramsey's not going to sit out of here. He's there for another few years for sure. Um, the speculation about should they or should they not trade Jalen Ramsey's. Who is the quarterback on the Panthers that went to Washington? Very row, lo- Norman. loud. Norman. Josh Norman. Yeah, Josh Norman. Yeah. I mean, it kind of reminds me of. Back in the day when you traded Champ Bailey for Clinton Portis. Now, Jacksonville doesn't need a Clinton Portis because they have Fournette, but you need that kind of haul. What are they going to get? Are they going to trade Ramsey for a quarterback? There's not a value out there that somebody's going to trade a quarterback. We've talked this to death. Jacksonville hung themselves when they re signed Blake Portals. So, why would you trade Ramsey then? You keep him. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There are a lot of components on that defense and on that offense that you could look at dealing. Leonard Fournette might be one. I mean, Jacksonville's not any better with Fournette than they were without him, arguably. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not I'm – not, No, no, know, no. I understand. There. But, but what I'm saying is, is you can put in T.J. Yeldon, who's okay. The problem they have on that team, period. Quarterback. Is quarterback. I mean, they've got enough weapons around him on offense. They've obviously got the defense. The they're going to get Pittsburgh deserves all of the praise for coming back in a game that they were dead to rights. Everybody in America thought was over. Pittsburgh finds a way, comes back and wins that thing at the gun. And I think everybody groaned and like, oh, here comes Ben doing it again. But the the issue with it is, is you have to look at that even deeper. Jacksonville's got to be able to run the clock out. If that locker room wasn't already exploded, it's done now. I mean, you cannot lose a game like that and keep it together with as bad as the season's gone. There's really hard times coming in Jacksonville. There's going to have to be something dramatic done. And I'm look, they've got to get rid of Bortles. Nobody's going to trade for him. Don't be surprised if they eat all that guaranteed money and they release him this offseason. You can't bring in another quarterback and create a controversy mm-hmm. down there. That's a disaster waiting to happen. In this offseason, you've got guys like Teddy Bridgewater. They're going to hit the open market. They've got to go get one of those guys. They're not going to draft high enough probably to bring one in. They probably also are not a team – 
that has time for somebody to get through that learning curve of the rookie season. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Kristen Lambert, Robert Bricky, Professor Trent Nichols. We are in full swing talking about the NFL. I said, I don't know, a month ago, three weeks ago, that Dallas would win the NFC East. I wish I'd laid a whole sack of cash on that. Although they are a game behind the Washington Redskins, Alex Smith is gone maybe for his career. What do you think, Trent? Is, is Smith going to come back from that gruesome broken leg at this advanced age? When Joe Theismann tweets that that looks like his leg did oh. 33 years ago, I don't know, man. I don't. I think that's the end of the Alex Smith era. Well, even if it's not, he most certainly is done for the year. And, yes, with medical technology, they can do all kinds of things. But when you get to a certain age, that's the first thing that goes. Is it mm. not, Bricky? I agree. Your recoverability is the first thing. Oh, yeah. It, um, it takes a long time to bounce back. After, have, after some injuries, after some years, and then you have a severe injury like this, it, you you may be right. He may be done for a career. I hope not. I, I, I hope, hope not, too. But I have, I have raved about the fact that Alex Smith is a better athlete than, than most of America realizes. Alex Smith is the type of guy that could have gone and been a decathlete. And been world class. He's that type of athlete. He's faster than people realize. He's got a better arm. It's sort of lost in history that he was a legit number one pick in the draft and was not a pocket passer. He was a, he was a run option quarterback uh, that could really throw the ball. Alex Smith has had a very nice career. He is sort of a victim of circumstances where it was you know bad coaching, bad systems. Took him a while to hit his groove. I'm, I'm sad to see this guy go down. I'm going to relative to. Alex Smith and the Redskins, though, I'm going to make a prediction, and you need to write this one down, Trent. The next quarterback of the Washington Redskins. Mark Sanchez. A.J. McCarron. Ooh. A.J. McCarron, who currently plays for whom? The Oakland Raiders. That's right. He doesn't who are play, coached though. By, who are coached by whom? The worst coach in the history of the Yeah, NFL. who got his second win. But, yeah, Chucky, who happens to be the brother of Jay Gruden. Um, John has no use for A.J. McCarron. It was a stupid they trade a first? That in the first place. Nah, won't take a first to get him. What, they give up a fourth to get him? Doesn't matter. I don't know. They give him a third. Third or fourth, something of that nature. A.J. McCarron will come in. A.J. McCarron, there is an is the overlap. trade deadline over? Yeah, it's gone. They can't get him this year. I was trying to figure out a way that they could manipulate the system. It's based on take, waivers. Yeah, it would take Oakland 
releasing somebody him. would block him. Yeah, and and even then, it's it not like baseball obvious. where you can wave and do a trade after. Yeah, but I, there is true value, and the reason there is a tie-in for people that aren't paying close attention. AJ McCarron came from the Cincinnati Bengals. Jay Gruden was the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, there's not any overlap there between them, but A.J. McCarron was running the same system in Cincinnati that Jay Gruden was running when he was there, so the language is going to be very similar. The concepts are similar. There is an interface there, which is a big deal. So, Why is Hugh Jackson with the Bengals? Hugh Jackson's there for several reasons. He's going to be the next coach, isn't he? He might. Here's, here's a stat for you. The Bengals with Hugh Jackson and Marvin Lewis together, which they have been for about two-thirds of the time Marvin's been there, have a winning percentage of about 630. They're under 500 when Hugh Jackson's not in the building. Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson are legitimately best friends. So do you think that Hugh Jackson went to the Browns just like Josh McDaniels went to the Denver to ruin that franchise? (laughs) I don't think that's what happened. Belichick's plan was to have Josh go ruin the franchise, get fired, and it worked. What what happened, and and I said I wasn't going to geek out on the Bengals, and now you're I had to bring it up. I'm sorry. Here's what happened. When... Hugh's coming. Hugh was offered when Hugh was offered the Cleveland gig. It's coming. Okay, and for and just a real quick history. Hugh Jackson started. He was on the very first original Marvin Lewis staff 15 years ago. He was the wide receivers coach. He was as good a wide receivers coach as there was in football. Chad Johnson was nothing before Hugh Jackson got it got his hands on him. TJ Husmanzada was a seventh round nothing before Hugh got his hands on him. Chris Henry was a Pro Bowl caliber receiver. That was all Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson came up through the ranks, became the offensive coordinator. Ended up out there in Oakland. Um, actually, along the way, there was another eight stop. and eight. Well, by the eight way, and eight, and that was the first time fired. they'd been they'd been over five hundred like ten years. Yeah, yeah, forever, and got fired. Got into it with management out there. Got fired. Came back to the Bengals. Came back as a defensive assistant. Then, kind of held on until Jay Gruden left. Hugh Jackson becomes the offensive coordinator. Hugh Jackson was there, and there's a lot of playoff teams in there. When Cleveland offered him their head coaching job, Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson went to management, went to ownership, and said, we want to put a succession plan in place. When Marvin leaves, Hugh Jackson becomes the head coach. Not clear whether it was a year down the road, two years, three years down the road, but the two of them were on board. They went to Mike Brown, offered that plan up. Mike said, I'm all for it. Yes. Hugh insisted that it be in writing. Mike Brown is an attorney. (laughs) Said, oh, no. Doesn't do things like that. And said, nope, I'm willing to commit, but I'm not willing to put it in writing. Hugh Jackson considered it for a couple days and said, you know what? I trust, but I don't trust enough. I'm going to go to Cleveland. And it's been an unmitigated disaster there in Cleveland. He came back to Cincinnati for a couple reasons. One... He and Marvin Lewis are best friends. Two, Marvin Lewis now is the defensive coordinator and does not have time to manage the game on the fly. Hugh Jackson, as that assistant head coach, that's his role. Check the ebb and the flow, timeouts, the rest of those things while Marvin Lewis is coordinating the defense. And the third thing, as silly as this sounds, the Bengals play the Browns twice this year. And if you want intel on personnel, who better to bring in than a former head coach? So it was a foregone – in fact, I got a couple of phone calls, one of which was, 
dude, how bad does that suck? I'm like, how does this suck? I, it was always a foregone conclusion. I knew the minute he left, he would be on a plane yeah, to Cincinnati I and he'd be hired there. That was, there was never any question about that. So that's what's up with the whole Hugh Jackson thing. So you and think Marvin's going to go into the front office? Marvin should have gone Hugh, into the front office five or six yeah, years ago. So maybe after this year, Marvin goes up into the front office, Hugh takes over, and all works out the way they if play. If the Bengals make the playoffs but do not advance in the playoffs, I think it happens. If the Bengals miss the playoffs here, I think, Mike Brown, I think Mike Brown cleans it out. Yeah. He's had enough of this. And when you look personnel-wise on paper – the Bengals have been as good as anybody in oh, the yeah. AFC, with the possible exception of the quarterback position because Andy Dalton has limitations. That team has underachieved even in their playoff years for the last seven or eight years. Yeah, if they miss the playoffs this year after a 5-1 and one start, I think everybody's gone. Well, they were – Or 4-1 and one start. Their best team in the playoffs ended with the Carson Palmer knee injury. Um, that was the team they probably could have gotten a little bit farther. I still believe they would have won the AFC. There. Yeah, I think so too. I was at that game. It was one of the saddest days of my Brutal. life. Brutal. Yeah, it was something. Tonight, Kansas City, L.A. Again, I apologize. This game will have happened, but how big? We were talking about it. You actually put that idea in my head, Rick. I'm going to get popcorn. I'm stopping at the I'm theater on the way home. I am going to have snacks lined up, <laughs> beverages. I, I do not want to miss a moment. I, and I think it's going to pan out to be an epic game. And I hope so because we need that. Like kind of midseason-ish. Yeah. You know, to get you in the second half and, tra- you know, holiday, get your holiday week started out right because who knows what's going to happen on Thursday uh, in the games. Uh, they won't They won't give the ball to the running back in Dallas. <laughs> They'll lose by 40. He won't but, be eating, huh? That's he right. won't be eating. That's right. Uh, Elliot just uh, – anyway – but uh, I'm excited about this, and like you said, I just I have built my day and week around, and this is going to be started my Thanksgiving week. Who's going to win, though? I mean, right now, looking Rams, on baby. social media, the Chiefs are about 54 percent, so it's close All right, on the poll I, I saw. What I'm going to say is, Kansas City has had some premium matchups so far, not the least of which was the Thursday night game on the road at Foxborough, but that's a Thursday night game. And it was early in the season, and yeah, it was that game of the week, but it didn't get a whole lot more run than every Thursday night game gets. There hadn't been a regular season game get this much hype. We saw this coming after week one, and we're like, this could be your legit Super Bowl preview between an AFC and an NFC team, which you just don't ever get to see in the regular season. And it is held in true. week 10. They're going to be all alone. 11. On prime time, with all of this hype, we're about to find out about this young man, Patrick Mahomes. Because this is when the Chiefs, historically, they get off to a good start, and then they kind of piddle away under Andy Reid, and they lose a bunch of these last games. I say that this was a big – this is a bigger win for Kansas City to show the rest of the AFC that they're legit if they can beat the Rams. I was on the other fence before saying this is a bigger win for the Rams – I think this is a must win. I, I, I don't disagree the AFC, with you. The I think, is a little softer this year. I, I don't disagree with you, although the Rams getting beat the way they did by New Orleans. Mm. If they and then New Orleans going later, to Philly oh and God. destroying Dude, them. That, woof. They could have still – they scoot, they could have run the clock on them. They could have scored a hundred. Oh. The thing with L.A. 
is after having taken that butt whooping down in New Orleans, if they were to lose twice in three weeks, now all of a sudden we we, we had anointed them. Oh, world champs oh, yeah. in waiting. Now all of a sudden you're like, ugh. Yeah. And with the way New Orleans looks, dude, I have been going back in my mind trying to think of offenses that stack up with how effective New Orleans is right now. I don't have anybody that I can say is head and shoulders above that. You look back to the Showtime, you know, the greatest field, greatest show on turf. You look at the Vikings during the um, the the uh, Randall Cunningham, Chris Carter, Randy Moss days. Maybe some of those Miami offenses, the the Elway Davis Ran, uh, Broncos was sharp and I mean, yeah, you're, you're Smith top shelf right now. What Drew Brees is doing, and the amazing thing is the abject lack. Of playmaking receivers, you have well, that's, one guy. That's what I'm saying, though. They don't have anybody. One guy who plays tight end for the New Orleans Saints. Brick, they don't have one. See, Sneed is nobody it? I don't know. You've got well, Willie Sneed's a receiver. Huh. Ben Watson actually is usually oh, their, number one, their number one tight he end. Get He's any a journeyman who's been around for a million years. He's one of those guys that you know the Patriots drafted. He got to the end of his contract, and they're like, "Yeah, see you." Had a nice career, and he's not a bad ball player. But you look at it, and you've got Michael Thomas, and then you have that unbelievably good running back tandem, which another year or two of this, we will be talking about Ingram and Kamara in historic terms. But who did they have when they won the Super Bowl? Their M.O. is kind of they've always had that one person. For the years that they didn't win, they only had Jimmy Graham. I couldn't name you a wide Marcus receiver. Colston, brother. Oh, shoot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Joe Horn. Right. Joe, yeah. Joe Horn. For all that. All right, we got half an hour to go. Thanks for hanging out from the cheap seats from the right dead smack in the middle of North Carolina. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back. Final half hour from the Cheap Seats. We're here in Sanford, North Carolina. Appreciate you hanging out. You can catch us on Rat Pack Radio, Ironic Media, slash WBLZ Sports. You can find the podcast, whatever. Send us a line. At Cheap Seat Radio on social media or Cheap Seat Radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the Facebook page. Well, I don't think we do anything on Facebook anymore, but Twitter, we're pretty prolific on Twitter um, from time to time. 
I think it's I think it's good stuff that's out there. Guys, before we finish our thoughts on the NFL and pivot into the NCAA, possibly, it depends on whether or not we run out of time, we're going to conduct a draft. And I know you don't have any time to plan for this, but we're going to draft food components Uh-oh. for Thanksgiving. Hmm. <clears throat> Y'all ready? Yes. All right, yeah. we'll do five rounds. Five rounds, you cannot repeat a pick. Who's going first? I'll let one of you guys go first. You Robert guys, can go first. Robert's going first? I just mentioned get the it. first pick. Dressing with gravy. It's got to be right. a good gravy, too. All right. So, dressing with gravy. You writing these down? Yeah. All right. Dressing with gravy. Trent, what do you got? I'm going to go dessert first. I want, I want a pecan pie. Oh. God. Bourbon pecan? I thought yes. I could I thought I could pick off pecan pie down the draft board a little bit. I didn't realize it'd go that high. You got, yeah. got well, I'm going well, you guys messing around. I'm going ham. Okay. Ham. No doubt. Bricky I'm gonna follow that up with mashed potatoes with gravy. He doesn't even know the funniness about that. Before you started with us. We caused a debate that went citywide here in Sanford about mashed potatoes and gravy and whether or not that was a requirement at Thanksgiving. And it was split right down the board between black folks and white folks. White folks must have mashed potatoes and gravy at Thanksgiving. It's optional. Period. It's optional with black folks. See? Yeah, I know. But for no, me, I'm telling you. I, I'm I will not oh, draft. I'm, Potato salad, I will not. See, that was the thing, is that my wife, her thing is that potato salad Mandatory. is a must. And that, to white folks, is like a summertime thing. Right. So it's kind of interesting how... Any family gathering among black people, mash, uh, potato salad, potato salad sure. is mandatory. Now, let me ask you about your potato salad. Do you prefer a mayonnaise slash mustard I don't eat it so it or an oil based I don't eat it you don't eat it no okay, fair enough Trent you're a culinary guy which is your favorite type of potato salad I don't like potato salad at all really nope never have I would like it probably more mayonnaise but I just don't like it okay it, out of all the salad stuff that you can make with mayonnaise potato salad's never been my cup huh. of tea I'm not a huge potato salad fan my either. family likes the redskin potato Salad. I, I don't uh, know what that means. Well, I mean, it's, it's just, just made with, with red skin, red potatoes. skin potatoes. I don't know. Which you should probably call the Native American skin <laughs> potatoes. I'm just saying. All right, so we have dressing with gravy, pecan pie, ham, mashed potatoes with gravy. We got a lot of gravy. All right, working I, on gravy. So my favorite thing to do is make little tiny sandwiches with. The meat, the mashed potatoes, corn. <laughs> so you have to have a good roll, a dinner roll. Mm, how has it? How is it possible that it's at number six? Number five. Turkey is going turkey. to fall to me. I have the ham and the turkey, and y'all got all the sides. <laughs> so now I can well, make me, my dinner roll sandwich because I got mashed potatoes and turkey could, and ham. Could corn no, these are my these are my dinner. We're picking for our own dinners oh. here. You're stuck now. You've got dressing and mashed potatoes. I've got, got pecan pie and rolls. rolls. <laughs> That's good. So does uh, uh, cornbread fall in the category of rolls? Is that just a dinner? No, cornbread's a no, completely different pick, animal. I'm not going with it. I'm going to go with non-traditional. Ribs. 
Ribs. See, the non-traditional I thought you were going to pull out was prime rib. You just scared him in because he doesn't have, have meat. Yeah, yeah, I had, to get, yeah. I had to get a meat. You better get one, too, or I'm going to take prime rib off the table. <laughs> what are you going to be having quail here at some point? A meat. Yeah, a right? Can. You all were, I got dessert first. Damn. Okay, Cookie Monster. Shoot. What do you got? All right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, New York strip steak. <laughs> That's kind of lame, <laughs> but all right. That's a Saturday dinner. Look, if not you're going to do, I'm going to, no, I'm going to intervene here. Saturday. I'm going to, I'm going to intervene here. Just do if prime going, rib. I've had go. that before there for Thanksgiving. So prime rib, and, yeah. and that's really pretty cool. But you can't go with strip steak. No. So prime rib is your pick. Yes. All right. So we've got four different proteins there. It's background to me, Man. and I have got to have, and I have to make this macaroni and cheese. Mm. Good call. Gotta have the mac and cheese. My wife and I argue every time about how it should be prepared, and every time I just do it my way, and she's like, God, this is good. And then the next year, we have exactly the same conversation. Because <laughs> you're a culinary <laughs> yes. genius. I'm going with sweet potato pie Ow! with a heavy whipped cream. Ah! Mm. Man, you're as like dressing, mashed potatoes, Dude. sweet potato Decadent. pie. Decadent. With a what? Heavy whipped cream. Now, I do have a specialty at Thanksgiving. Okay, what is it? You take two slices of pound cake, a piece of ham, and a piece of cheese, mm. and you microwave <clears throat> it. Wait a minute. And you have ham cake. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, what kind of cheese? <laughs> American? What's that matter? Trent, I'm your, gonna need, your choice. I, I need complete silence here for a second so my brain can process <laughs> what you just said. You said you take two pieces of pound cake, mm-hmm. and you put a piece of ham, ham, cheese, and a piece of cheese. What kind of cheese are we dealing with here? I like Munster or Gouda, but you can, you know, you can whatever floats Munster, your boat. Munster's my that's my joint. And you and you, and you nuke it just a little bit, let melt the cheese. Oh, eat it like a sandwich. Are you kidding me? No, I need it's to fabulous. My wife, we got to make oh, pound God. cake. It's fabulous. Pound cake. Wow. It's called ham cake. It's my own personal visit. People think I'm joking, but every year I've got to have. All right, so ham so cake. What, what what is your next pick? What 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 just happened? You took sweet, I did, potato, I took pie. sweet potato pie. I okay. took. I'm taking my favorite. It's kind of like a. Uh, it's corn casserole. Okay. Where you get the corn I'm, and the cornbread and all that. I love that. All right, cool. Corn casserole. And I'm going to follow that up with another vegetable casserole. I want green bean casserole. See, oh, that was my way. other dilemma. With, with the French onions on it? Oh, yeah. You know that. I don't even know that the French onions like serve a purpose. No, but it's pretty. But it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> but I like mine with, you know, cream of chicken soup. Right. And, oh, God. Yeah. Is, is yeah. it my pick? Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to go. Last round, by the way. La- oh, it's like, la- okay. So yeah, I'm going to go. I, I got a dessert. Hmm. I'm going to go with a uh, half gallon of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we after we eat all that, <laughs> we're going to prepare ourselves for the football game. All right, go ahead. You, you weren't ready for that. One. I am so glad I'm not going to Robert's house for. Thanksgiving. Oh my God, it's a budget fund. Right, we have we have a guest room, so you're, <laughs> you can bring the half gallon with. Okay, I have pecan pie, dinner rolls, prime rib, corn casserole. Man, this is a tough. You know what? I'm going to just go healthy with a seven layer salad. 
a seven-layer salad for Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's why I'm glad you're coming to my Iceberg house and lettuce, I'm not going to yours. Mayonnaise, <laughs> cheese, Parmesan cheese, peas. I'm not fine. sure that mayonnaise is even enticing to yeah, me on that. Yeah, that's good. I'll take it. All right. So for the, for the 15th and final pick of the Thanksgiving draft, since I was a child, my mom and I have made an appetizer that is boiled ham, your little ham slices mm-hmm. that you get in the package, slathered with cream cheese, rolled up and sliced into little pinwheels, and we call them ham roll-ups. Hmm. And they are always a fixture at Thanksgiving. You know, now I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give everybody one alibi pick since you have your menu here. Last last round. This is the bonus round. When I met my wife, they did something called pickle roll, which you get a budding ham, yeah, cream cheese, uh-huh. you put pickles in it. Roll it up and then slice it, and it's got those are good. I'm that, not taking that. No, my kids do that. But that's it. My pickle kids roll. will. My pickle kids roll. will put a pickle slice in there, and they will roll it and they will slice it. I'm not a pickle guy, so you know I, what? I just like the ham and Since cheese. Since y'all going get reminiscing on me, yeah. My mother used to make this. It's called Watergate fruit salad. Yes, you've had that. Yeah, and. Since she got older, and she had I haven't had that in years, and she mm-hmm. used to make it every kind of holiday, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Um, I'm gonna make some this year. It's my mother. What? It's got uh, is it fruit you steal from a hotel or something? Walnuts. You you got to break in. Yeah, you got to (laughs) break into a hotel. Pistachio pudding, whipped cream, marshmallows, pineapple, Mm. and I'm leaving something out. But you can look it up. You can Google it. It, And you mix it up. It's and it comes out green because of the. uh, And I'm not sure that it's not from the Watergate Hotel. Maybe that may actually be the root of it. Okay, but Trent, let me tell you. My mother used to make it, man. Nice to eat. I'm gonna make some this year, in honor of mom. That's pretty cool. Trent, what you got? I don't have anything left, man. All right. Well, since you're nothing. not gonna pick, I'm gonna pick two things. Okay. You All take right. It. Because this is another staple, and it's funny you say a, a fruit salad. We have a recipe in my family that we call Grandma's Cherry Jello Salad, mm-hmm. and it is cherry pie filling, red cherry Jello. Pineapple, all mixed <clears throat> together into a layer, covered with a cream cheese topping mm. with walnut sprinkled over the top. Grandma's cherry jello salad has to be there. And my last, my wait, waiver wait, wire wait, pickup. Hold on. What's up? Grandma's cherry jello shots. No, yeah. Oh, see, I was going to say what? make the jello with his vodka. There you go. Oh. Boom. Done and done. Just don't let grandma get in. Yeah, grandma be all right. <laughs> Grandma's a lot more fun when she's got loaded up with vodka. And the last thing, and I don't believe anybody that nobody took it, if I had to actually put this in place, somebody would get dropped off my roster and I would sign deviled eggs off the street oh, to man. replace them. I yeah, love I deviled eggs. I couldn't think anything. Dang. You're not yeah, very I good at this for a food guy. I'm not. It's a good thing that you get like corporate dictated menus. Horrible. They're like no deviation no creativity oh. all right we got one segment left we got to cram in some nca football we'll cover a little bit more nba or nfl rather you're listening to from the cheap seats thanks for hanging you're out you're listening to from the cheap seats from sanford north carolina everyone deserves a decent place to live everyone decent shelter is something we all need to thrive through shelter we empower 
Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. Very last segment of this week's installment of From the Cheap Seats. You can catch us every single Wednesday. A new episode is pumped out there into the atmosphere. We're on radio, we're streaming, we're podcasting, we're all over the place. Um, Tough week locally here for high school football. Lee County and Southern Lee both made the state playoffs. Both, for the first time in history, both of those teams were hosting their first-round playoff game in the same weekend. Both of them lost Hmm. in tough games. It was rough. It was rough. Coach Steve Berdue, the coach of the uh, Lee County Yellow Jackets, who came in as a three-seed statewide and dropped their game to Dudley, who is chock-packed full of D1 talent, will be on with us in a couple of weeks, and uh, he'll lend his expertise. I'm looking forward to that. Pretty cool guy. I don't think you guys have met him. Good guy. He's gonna. He, he wants to talk some football. He and I on television on the Zaxby's Coaches Show that we do every week, uh, we end up always – Ending the program, talking a little NFL or a little NCA. He's 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 a good guy. Dig him, y'all. Dig him too. Um, NCAA football. So, Ohio State escapes fifty-two fifty-one at Maryland. How badly does that hurt them, Trent? If at all, in terms of the national playoff picture. Unfortunately, I don't think it hurts them. Why, I think it should because, Why? I mean, it's just as bad as the loss to Purdue in my mind. Um, I still think it's either whoever wins the Big Ten gets in and the others don't. Well, and I don't think it can be either Michigan or Ohio State, right? They'd well, have to go. It will be Ohio that's State. That's not the Big Ten championship, no, though. That is the that is for the division title. So the I winner think, of that game goes on to play Northwestern so, <laughs> for the for the title. So the winner of the Michigan Ohio State game will get into the playoffs. Okay, is my the, prediction. There, well, that's a lot of people's predictions. If it's Michigan, they're hedging their bets with regard to Ohio State. Here's the issue. The the game that didn't get as much attention as it should have that really had an impact on the playoff picture was West Virginia going down yeah. to the hands of Oklahoma State. Now, it's funny, though, that people want to point at that Ohio State game against Maryland, and they're like, well, they Maryland should have beat them. Well, that's cool. Oklahoma State should have beat Oklahoma a week ago. Mm-hmm. And then Oklahoma State comes from behind wins down the stretch against West Virginia. That is a crushing blow for the Big 12. They looked poised – for this coming week for it to be a one-loss West Virginia team facing a one-loss Oklahoma team and then turn around and do it again the following week. And if Oklahoma had been able to beat them, that's a big deal. Now you're talking about two-loss West Virginia team? Nah. Now, the first part of that is that West Virginia no longer is a one-loss team. The second thing is that if they have any hope, because if West Virginia beats Oklahoma twice, they're not in the picture. The rest of their schedule is not strong enough. If Oklahoma sweeps West Virginia, I think they get in of, ahead of Ohio State. 
all things being equal. If Ohio State runs the table, wins the Big Ten, I think Oklahoma, with their one loss being that last second comeback by Texas in a game that Oklahoma really played great offense and just no defense at all, I think that one loss Oklahoma team would get in ahead of Ohio State. But if Michigan's the team that runs the table, there's no chance that a one-loss Oklahoma gets in over a one-loss Michigan. I do think Washington State is out in the cold at this point, and I don't see any way they're getting in. That Pac-12, it's just falling apart, and they eat their own. Uh, And the fact that they're going to be playing either Utah or Arizona State in the Pac-12 championship does them no good at all. I do want to go on the record, though, as saying at the very beginning of the season, I predicted Arizona State would win the uh, Pac-12. Hadn't happened yet, but what looked like a pretty bizarre prediction is closer than people might think. Mm-hmm. Um, Bricky, your observations about the the uh, national playoff picture, in particular, <clears throat> Notre Dame, maybe they are for real. I, I Like you had doubts about Notre Dame, but they showed up when they needed to, played well. Heck, so maybe they changed their minds and – they're in now, but um, I still think Alabama is a clear choice. Clemson has uh, – I don't trust Clemson. They've been up and down a little bit. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's just the evolution of the program. They've been really good. They've been here. And it's hard to sustain that. Who else has done it other than uh, Alabama? Since the inception of that playoff, yeah. nobody. Really. Nobody. So, I mean, Ohio State and Oklahoma yeah, have both been regular visitors yeah. to that. But, yeah, the teams with that level of success are Oklahoma yeah. and, or, or Clemson, Clemson and, yeah. and Alabama, which is interesting that you invoke that because with that Notre Dame game, I think that that game was over before it started. Brian Kelly, the head coach at Notre Dame, he's got his flaws as a coach, but he's been in big games before. Yeah. He's been he's played big-time football. Dino Babers I really like as a coach. I like what he's done at Syracuse, but this is uncharted territory for him. And for his kids who came to Syracuse thinking, oh, maybe one day, maybe we'll go 500 in the conference, to be on a national platform like that in the top 15, I think the moment was too big for him, and they just gacked it away. But is it even fair for college kids to go in and play at Yankee Stadium? I mean, come on, man. That's, that's That's hallowed ground. Yeah. And you're taking and you're taking a game that really should have mattered and putting it on a stage like that. That just seemed to tilt it even farther. Going on the road to Notre Dame is is a big big deal, but going to Yankee Stadium, yeah, the house that Ruth built. I don't know, man. I don't I st- know that I like that. I still don't like the fact. I think Notre Dame is going to get destroyed the first game. I still don't see anybody on their schedule that. Well, I guess the question is a meaningful win. I guess the I think USC. I'm still holding out that USC may upset them, and USC would make a lot of people happy if they. You know, I mean, because I don't know. Maybe join a conference. I'm down. Be in the ACC. Give Clemson another team to battle out with. Because I'm a little worried about Clemson too. They really haven't had a tough schedule. No. Some people can say Alabama hasn't, but. Alabama. Well, I tell you this for sure. Alabama's schedule this year is a hell of a lot better than it was yeah. last year. Yeah. So you know the conference play. I'm with you, and we've beat this into the ground. And if you talk to me more than five minutes about Notre Dame, that's gonna. That's what I'm gonna tell you. Go join a conference. Mm-hmm. You know, think how badly UCF would want to join a conference right now, and Notre Dame has been begged to go join a conference forever and won't do it. 
you know, UCF, I hate a system that is going to keep a team that has won every game it's played for two years out of your notional national championship playoff. It's a ridiculous system. The time now, NCAA, expand the field to eight teams. And here's the deal. All five of your Power Five champs make it, period. End of discussion. You win a conference championship, you're in. Everybody else is vying for those next three spots. It's that simple. And then you can have Notre Dame as an independent. If Notre Dame qualifies as an independent, cool. But they can't do it at the expense of a conference champion. Not if that's a one-loss Big Ten champ. Not if it's a one-loss Big 12 champ. Not if it's a three-loss Pac-12. It doesn't matter. They played a conference schedule that is legit. And usually you have a rival or two big in-the-conference, in-division games that you have to go every year. Absolutely. You got to beat two good teams in your division every year. Then you got to win your division and then you got to win this conference type championship. Yeah. And Notre Dame doesn't have that pressure. So I agree with you. It's it's almost unfair. And some years Notre Dame schedules a lot tougher, but guess what? Not this year. This was not yeah. the year. Not anymore. And they've used the joining the ACC as a crutch. Because well, now they don't have to schedule cuz remember they played Michigan every year for a while. Um, the, the Yes, granted, they scheduled Stanford and they scheduled USC. They can't help that those teams are both in down years. But if you're in a conference, you get the benefit of the doubt yeah. because you can't control it. You know, But like Bricky said, you've always got, if nothing else, rivalry games. You know, UNC is going to play NC State this weekend. UNC could not have had a worse season than they've had. It just couldn't have gone any more badly than it has. They are going to give NC State everything they can handle, period. Mm -hmm. Because it's that visceral rivalry. You literally can throw the record books out, and they're going to fight. And it's going to be it's going to be down to the wire. So, so you're looking at your schedule like what's Carolina's record? Whatever. One and nine. So you're thinking you're thinking two and eight or wherever they are. You know, you're not thinking we can take this team for granted, but you know, you you count that as a win. You're counting that as a win against anybody else. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. But it, because it's NC State Carolina, every you year, got to prepare more than any other game. Yeah, That's right. Same thing every year. Indiana and Purdue, their football teams may suck, but that last game of the year is everything. Yeah, you you've got those Purdue kids. Game. I don't think people get that. And, and and I've heard people say, well, you got Notre Dame plays USC. Dude, Notre Dame, USC's got nothing to do with one another. When you're talking about Indiana, Purdue, or you're talking about Ohio State, Michigan, the Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi, Mississippi State, these kids grew up together. Yep. They've been playing each other since they were 11 and 12 years old. That's what creates that kind of rivalry. Not, oh, it's a game on the schedule. These kids have that kind of connection, and it's a big deal. This nonsense that Notre Dame gets away with playing not a conference conference schedule with the ACC is a step in the right direction. They need to join a conference. And as we get to this new formation that is inevitable with regard to the college playoff, the conference championships or the conference champs need to be in. Period. Now, Last point I'm going to make, because we're running out of time. I don't know if you guys have seen this report. I thought it was an Onion article when I first saw it. And then as oh, I stepped no. back from it, I, I was like, are you for real, for real? You, yeah. The Cleveland Browns have expanded their head coaching search. They are looking at all different possibilities. And apparently, among the list of possible candidates that are high on Jimmy Haslam's list. To interview. Condoleezza Rice. 
Robert Bricky, please opine. You sent me that in email, and I had to read it twice, but I don't understand his rationale. You've got somebody who's never coached. You're all of a sudden breaking a barrier between a woman in charge of a locker room. Not to say she can't do it, but the state of your organization and the way it's gone, you don't need chaos. You don't need more press. You need a good hire, someone that can help turn the ship around. And Condoleezza Wright is not the person to do that right now. I would say, first of all, there's nothing good about this idea. The only way to rationalize it would be that as a chief executive, she's run things that are more important than an NFL team. You would have to delegate everything in the organization. Everything. I mean, she could have nothing to do with the X and O's from a technical standpoint. I know that she is a deep football fan. Probably not any deeper a football fan than I am. I am not equipped to go be the quality control video guy for an NFL franchise, let alone a position coach, let alone a coordinator, and let alone a head coach. I know we all sit at the house on the weekends and we think, I could do that. No, you couldn't. No. Not even People the first no part idea. of it. Yeah. Not even the first part. Not when you're talking about, you know, where does your first step need to be? Where do my hands need to be positioned? All the way through to, no, you, you couldn't do it. What we can do is complain, yeah, you should have called a timeout there. Yeah, well, maybe, but you didn't have 95,000 people hollering and everything going and the emotions pumping and all that. She would have to delegate every single thing that has to do with anything to do with the makeup of that team. Is there anything else that I'm missing that would be a positive? I mean, would this this resonate with women where they're like, oh, my God, we get to be a part of this? Only if they put her in maybe a GM role, like you said, where she could delegate. But well, here's here's my thing. Where I just said that none of us are qualified to be head coaches, I think all three of us could do as good a job as most of the general managers in the NFL. I think that that is a very overrated skill set, especially as it applies to the player personnel part of that. I don't have any doubt I could go in and do from a personnel standpoint a better job than some of the GMs that are out there. Yeah, now, would I want as the general people we forget the general manager in charge of all that stuff. So I got to deal with tickets and I got to right. deal with this and the rest of that stuff. I'm going to delegate all that mess. But when it comes to constructing a roster, I don't have any doubt about my ability to do that. Period. Yeah, because you've got a staff that goes out and crunches all these numbers sure, and does all this analysis. So they, they're not doing as much work as we think they are. All right, we love y'all. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Peace. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Yeah.